0: Father through him. How many of you are reading through the Old Testament with us through this last year? So I have a little confession to make. Back in probably February, we were getting through the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, and a couple years ago, we did a study in Judges. So I'm like, okay, we've got this through the historical books. We're going to do this. But I honestly went to Jim and said, are we really going to read all of these Psalms 1 through 150 straight through? And in his typical response, yes, it's going to be great. And you know that maybe that might not be the case. <laughs> However, we're about, if, none, if you aren't reading on the app or in the calendar, we're about two-thirds of the way through the Psalms. And I have to admit, they have captivated me in a way that I never expected. You see, every time we read a psalm, maybe there's a chapter or about halfway through a chapter, I come to a passage in scripture, like we've done this morning, where we can put it to music. We know a song that somebody wrote about that music with that scripture in mind. And so that is kind of the spirit of where I'm coming from today. I just have some thoughts of what God has shown me this, this summer about what worship looks like, what we feel worship looks like, um, and just kind of one of those little, like, heart checks. Um, we have a great worship here at church, but sometimes we need to just kind of stop and pause and say, okay, is my heart in the right place? And so my caveat this morning, though, is that I recognize that worship has a holistic approach, right? Everything we do this morning is worship. When we give our tithe and offerings, that's worship. When we work Monday through Friday, we do that unto the Lord. Like in Colossians, it said that. But this morning, I want us to talk about the music portion of our worship. Um, And timely, because in six weeks, we're starting a second service. And we're calling it this contemporary style of worship. And we all get a little antsy. I'm sure you've had those conversations at your dinner table, because we've had those conversations at our dinner table. There are five people that live with us, and all five of us have a different opinion about what kind of music we like. And so I just want to talk about it. You know, we've all been talking about it, but let's talk about it here. (laughs) And so it's, again, the heart of our worship is kind of where I want to go with this this morning. Um, So... The word psalm, and again, this is another caveat. I am not a Hebrew or Greek person, so this is on my like, sixth thing that I have to talk to Jim about when he gets back in a couple weeks, is what does this mean where a word can have a Hebrew meaning and a Greek meaning? But the word psalm means, in Hebrew, it says that it means to shine or to praise. And then in Greek, it's translated to sing a harp or to play a stringed instrument. The word music, melody, song, hymn, instrument, sound, play, blow, noise, psalm, harp, lyre, timbrel, trumpet, horn, and voice show up 1,100 times in the Bible. In my path, my faith journey, whenever the Bible says something twice or three times or is repeated, it's something that we're supposed to pay attention to. If it's repeated 1,100 times or there's reference to it, I think we really need to pay attention. Correct? Would you not agree? <laughs> so, that's kind of where we're going this morning. In fact, you can see on our slide this morning, there's lots of psalms. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song. Hallelujah, sing to the Lord a new song. Hallelujah, how good is it sing to the God of God for praise is pleasant and lovely. This is a huge theme that we've been reading through this summer. Um, And so I've kind of done this little squirrel chase in this rabbit hole of researching why are we so opinionated? Not opinionated in a bad way, but we're tied to music. It's personal for us. And what is the difference between music and worship? Right? And so I've done a little bit of research, not a lot of research, and I found out that there's a lot of research done on music. There's a lot of research done on history. It is tra- it's kind of gone with us. Um, and so instead of boring you with some of those facts that I found on Google, I figured we'd do our own scientific study today. And so um, I want us to just kind of close our eyes and think, and I'm going to say a couple words, and then you can tell me if I'm right or not, right? So when I say music is emotional, Did you recognize that one? The first one is like the most musical genius of all, right? That's from a movie quote. Two notes, and you all thought of water, didn't you? And whether you wanted to get in that water, right? And the second one took you to this place of opportunity, right, scientific breakthrough, right? My son still asks me if that's real or not. And I'm like, well, it's kind of a bad idea. However, I did pick it with them in mind. I think they recognized it, didn't they? It's emotional. It takes us places, right? Music can also help us speak when we have no words or we don't know what to say with our words. It gives us a voice. I know. How many of you just don't think your parents get you? How many of you are frustrated because like, your teacher didn't understand the circumstances you had? Like, Sometimes we feel like we are out for ourselves, right? Sometimes we don't understand. Music allows us to helps us process those things. Um, here's one we don't even need music for. It. There is tons of research out there that show us that a jingle helps us with memory. How many of you know your ABCs? and you can say them without singing the song. Or you know the presidents in order because you learned them in elementary school. Or even here, like the books of the Bible. How many of us know the books of the Bible because we remember a song we learned in Sunday school? How many of you have bought car insurance or insurance in the last two, three years, and you know that nationwide is... Exactly. There's tons of research about music, that helps us know that it's, that, it. what did I say here? It says that the rhythm, rhymes, and repetitions help us put it in our long-term memory. So we know that music can be personal. Wise men say Only fools rush in, but I can. Daddy stops by, he tells her it's a nice place, she says it'll do for now, starts talking about babies and buying a house, daddy shakes his head and says baby just slow down, cause you're gonna miss it." It's a beautiful way of telling a story, right? How many of you thought of your first love or those babies that are growing up way, way too fast, right? We can all agree that God designed us with the ability to write music, hear music, feel music. We can be transformed by music. It is even being used in healing We've seen some studies out there about how it's being used for, uh, as a tool for depression and anxiety and also in Alzheimer's and, and things like that and um, stroke patients, how it's a tool that we can use. But what is the difference between the music that I just shared with you and worship? Where do we make the switch? Worship music can come in all the same pieces that I just showed you. The one that I forgot was the polka, right? There's lots of genres we could have picked, right? They come, our worship music can come as a storytelling, an anthem, a praise piece, a lament. Regardless of the style of the music, worship is that place where we connect with the presence of God. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Oh, great Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. turn our hearts and minds to the one we're singing to, it changes it from a performance to worship. It gets our eyes off of our circumstances and puts our eyes on God and where he is at in our story and where, where his constant love and his constant guidance are. That's where worship is. It's that intimate connection with God that engages all parts of us, our mind, our body, and our spirit. You know, the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your spirit. And I think that's what the psalmist is trying to tell us, and I think that it's amazing that God has designed us and given us this ability, and people who are far tal- more talented than I, to be able to give us this gift of music and lyric so that we can remember God's word with us, and we can take ourselves to that place that we Can feel God's presence. And so today I kind of wanted to go over a few little things of how do we do that? How do we connect with God through worship? Well, the first thing I want to say is that we participate, we do not spectate. None of those verses up there said, come to church and watch somebody worship, right? We don't watch people worship, we worship with them, right? We do it together, it's an action. And some of us need to kind of relax a little bit and move our bodies a little bit. That's why I love being in the basement, because they all love to move, <laughs> right? So for me, there's some really great visuals. When I'm worshiping God, one of the things that I think of, there's a couple different perspectives or th- scenarios I listen. And when you walk up to like a toddler and you look at them, and then what's the first thing they do? Can you pick me up? Can you pick me up, right? Sometimes our worship needs to be, Father God, I need you to pick me up. I need to spend some time sitting in your lap, right, or sitting at your feet. Sometimes our worship needs to be, God, I give up. I've been doing this on my own and I need to stop. It's too hard for me because I've been doing it on my own. Sometimes our worship needs to be bowing in authority to who God is in our lives, right? Right? This one's a really hard concept for us as Westerners to understand because our leadership constantly changes, right? But this idea that God is our king and he is worthy of our praise. Now, you're all freaking out going, Miss Amanda wants us to move our hands. (laughs) Sometimes it's not always about the outward expression. Remember, God says, I look at the heart. Sometimes it's about where your heart is and your mind And so maybe you can't go there physically with your hands or your feet. But you can sit and you can be in his presence and you can visually think of, God, I just need to be with you today for a while. I want you to do me another exercise here. Our second thought, pull the Bible out in front of you. The Bible's in the pew. And turn to Psalm 47. It's on page 518 in the front part of your Bible, Psalm 47, okay, so right above the word Psalm, it says over here on the, in the anecdote, it says, Selah. And then you get halfway through Psalm 47, and it says it again. It says, Selah. And then you get down a couple more on the next column. There's one in the break. It says, Selah. Selah is the Hebrew word meaning to instruct for a break in the singing, and it indicates a pause for contemplation. And my second point is sometimes we need to come and just worship God and be in selah moments. I know a lot of us sometimes it's a miracle that we show up. This side of heaven, we know that life is heavy. And I know that there's a lot of us that are bringing a lot with us. We're saddened by the fact that maybe our adult children aren't following Jesus. We've got to A diagnosis from the doctor that there's nothing else they can do. We know of students or ourselves that are struggling, and we just, we know that this side of life is not perfect. Sometimes we need to say La. We need, in our culture, we get so fast. We need time to process. And what better place to process our thoughts and our feelings and our struggles is in those say La moments. The psalms, one-third of the psalms are what they call a lament. A lament is an expression of deep sorrow, grief, or regret. You know, we want to praise Jesus, and I'm the first person will tell you that following God is not easy, but life is not easy either. And he's, he's not surprised by that. So, if you flip over to Psalm 55, which is a couple more pages over, page 522, it says, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me, answer me. I am troubled in my complaint, and I am distraught. I'm not sad. I'm not mad. I'm distraught. That's like a new level of sad, right? God is not afraid of our hard things. He wants us to sit with him and worship him in our hard parts. So my second part is salah and lament. My third one, my third thought on this is we have to give ourselves something to sing about. Well, we know we're already singing to God. We know that God is showing up, right? A couple months ago, the kids were um, downstairs. It was a Wednesday night. And I had greeted them all. You know, they're all sitting there. And I said, oh, I'm so excited you're here. This is what we're going to talk about. But let's first sing a song. That was my first mistake right? And so I put the music on, we have a screen, we play a song, and they didn't do anything. They either just sat there, or they were talking with their friends, or they were walking around in the back. I'm used to people moving around. You guys are all sitting still. This is nice. <laughs> but they didn't interact. They didn't pause. And so I said, "You time out, time out, time out. Let's start over. This is the God of the universe, the creator. He knows every hair on our head. We owe him three minutes of our undivided attention. I don't share this story because our kids are bad. Our kids are wonderful kids, and my kids were in that room. But if I'd done a good job of explaining who God is, of living evidence of who our living God is, do we come and do we share those stories? You know, this whole Old Testament, I think it was earlier this week in the Psalms, they, they um, retold the story of the Exodus, right? How often do we hear, I am the God, the God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one that drew you out of Egypt. They keep retelling those stories. And we can't just keep retelling the stories of ancient. We need to give our kids and ourselves the stories of the God of now. The stories of a God who... Miraculously, there's a baby who, during labor and delivery, it did not look good and is hitting every developmental milestone she needs to. The story is of a God who gives us extra weeks with our loved ones when we thought it was the end, right? The story of a God who provides. We've been looking for a car for four or five months, and we happen to be in the right place at the right time. That is not happenstance. That is not luck, because God knew what we needed, where we needed it. And it's my job to be able to tell my kids that, hey, this is where God provided for us. It's not happenstance. We believe and we live and we love and serve a God who loves us. And so we need to tell these stories for us so that when our kids gather, when we gather, we can say, God, you are a God Who provides, and we want to praise you today, and we want to worship you, and we're excited to be in your presence so that we know why we get together, right? All the other stuff is fun and it's exciting, and we do want to do Bible study and we do want to do those things. But when we want to get to, when we gather at the beginning, we want to make that connection with God. And so as Jihei comes to the piano, we're going to practice. We're just going to do it, right? A couple weeks ago, Pastor Jim wrote in the Psalms thing, um, there was that Psalm 84 that says, better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And that did, they wrote that a song, it's beautiful, and I sang it for like three days that week because I knew that song. But we have lots of great memories in our lives, right? And how do a thousand of those days add up to just one day in God's presence. And his question that day was, how do we cultivate a love for worship? How do we cultivate a love for worship? Well, the Psalms even tell us, sing a new song. So sometimes we need to sing a new song, right? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to sing a new song. And um, this is one that um, Deb and Kent have done for us. So it is familiar to us, but it reminds us of getting back to the heart of worship. And it doesn't matter if it's organ music or piano music or they're going to have drums. It's about connecting with God and finding that place where we have those Selah moments and we have that praise and where we engage our entire body and mind. And so I urge us today to cultivate that love for being better as one day in your presence, God, than a thousand anywhere else. I'd give those up. So let's continue to